Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. to be at church. I'm excited, excited to be at church today. Woo! Let me get some coffee. Love some coffee here from Freedom House. Look, they always write nice things on here. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, that's terrible. How y'all doing over at Guest Central? Y'all look nice today. Man, she rolled her eyes at me. I can't believe she did that. She rolled her eyes at me. Man, I hope Steve is here today. He owes me $50. And he bought a new car. Man, I, I can't believe he bought a new car and he still owes me $50. What's up, man? How you doing? What's your name? Francis. Francis. I'm Troy. Good to meet you, buddy. Man, I can't wait. I, I'm excited to worship, get my worship on today. Can I sit on this? Can I sit with you guys? How y'all doing? Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hey, can you move your stuff, please? I want to sit right there. Oh, excuse me. How you doing today? I'm Troy. Uh, you're not Troy. You're Carla. You're Carla. And who's this beside you? Brad, is that your husband or a boyfriend? Husband. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you bring your husband? Did you bring your boyfriend last week, right? No, all right. <laughs> Woo. How you doing? Good. What's your name? Hey, Gene. Are you ready to work? Dusty is going to praise the Lord today. I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to get my praise on. They were a little slow today in the kids' ministry. It took me like four minutes to get through. <sighs> Hope they take care of my... My little boy, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited. You excited? Yeah. Are you excited? I'm excited. It's going to be a great day. Hard to see, though, <laughs> up there, all the smoke and lights and everything. It's going to be fun. All right, I think you all get the idea. I don't know if you figured it out, but I'm carrying a little offense. You know, it's amazing when you think about it. 
how often, even when we come to church, we carry some offense, right? I, I know none of you did that. We're talking to the early service, but, but it's easy. And today, what I want to do is I, I, I love preaching, but however, today, I want to be your pastor for a little bit. I want to talk to you specifically about how to tear down your offense, because it's easy as a believer to pick up offense. It's easy to pick it up. It's easy to walk in it. And I believe that offense can be one of the, the most destroying things in a Christian's life. I want to throw this quote I read this week up here on the screen. It says, there's, there's always a gap between what I know and what I do. Shrinking that gap is called maturity. It's called discipleship. Now, we love the idea that God has a destiny for us. We love the idea that God has this big purpose that we can accomplish in our life. We, 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 we hear it, we get fired up about it, but there's a big difference between knowing it and actually walking it out. And there are things that the devil will try to throw in the middle of that and try to pull us away from growing up in our relationship with God. And so today, whether you're watching online, let's give it up for our online streamers. Come on, let's give it up for them. Minnesota, California, North Carolina, Georgia, Michigan, Louisiana, um, and the Huntersville Police Department. Come on, let's give it up for our police. Isn't that fantastic? And so, so I want to talk to you about this. And this is going to be one of those toe-stepping messages. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whenever you hear a message like this, you typically, and I know I would do the same thing if I were sitting in your seats, is I would think, oh, I, need, I know somebody needs to hear this. Uh, I wish so-and-so was here today. Um, I need to make sure that they get this link so they can watch this. But instead of doing looking at it that way, how about we do kind of an internal review? Say, God searched my heart. Come on, say it. Say, God searched my heart today. So here's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. He says, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure. The love that he's talking about is a love, it's a God kind of love, not a human kind of love. A love that's filled with hope and joy and faith. It's present in the spirit-led believer. So he says, I continue to pray for you. I love when Paul prays for us. I love to read all of Paul's prayers. Ephesians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, great prayers that he prayed for us. He says, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. This will enable you, watch this what he says, this will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. And you will be filled completely with the, fir with the fruits of righteousness that are found in Jesus. Notice that he says we've got to learn or make the decision to live pure and without offense. To not, not be a stumbling block to those that are around us, but also not to be a stumbling block to ourselves. It's one thing to make sure that I'm not going to cause you to stumble. It's another thing to make sure that I don't cause me to stumble. And that happens a lot of times. We kind of get in, our, get in our own way when it comes to God's purpose and God's destiny for us and he lets us know that offense is one of the key things Paul talks about offense quite a bit so let me ask you a question we're in this series called throwing shade let me ask you when somebody throws some serious shade on you how do you respond when somebody accuses you of something that you didn't do how do you respond when someone betrays you in a relationship 
even a Christian, how do you respond? When somebody says something to you at church or somebody says something to you at work that was close to you and they just turned on you at the flip of a dime, how do you respond? How, How do you deal with it? How do you process it? How do you work this out in your own heart? I think we all have a way of dealing with it. And speaking of offense, speaking of being offended, let me, let me tell you how you can offend a police officer. Just throwing this in there, just kind of funny. Top five ways that you can offend a police officer. Okay, number five is I thought you had to be in relatively good shape to be a police officer. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to a police officer, especially the ones around here. Number four, sorry, officer, I didn't realize my radar detector wasn't plugged in. That's not good to say to police officers. Um, Number three, didn't I see you get beat up on cops last night? (laughs) You don't want to say that. Number two, hey, you must have been doing 125 miles an hour to keep up with me. Good job. (laughs) And then number one thing that you never say, if you want to offend a police officer, this is what you say. Aren't you the guy from the village people? Don't say that to him. All right. Okay, so so let let me tell you some effects. Let me talk you about, I'm, I'm going to take you through three things today, okay? I'm, I'm going to talk about the effects of what offense does. When you pick up this offense, what it does to you, you may not even realize that, you're, that you've picked it up and that you're walking with it. We'll talk about how do I know when I'm offended, and then I want to talk about the causes of offense, okay? So get your note pen out, whatever you want to do, open your eyelids, however you want to take notes today, cheat off a Christian, you can cheat. There will be a test next week. And uh, this will be good. All right, so number one, I know that I'm, I'm offended, if, and, and the cause of this for me is carrying offense obscures my vision. It obscures my vision. If I have offense, I just can't see that good. I can't, I can't respond that well. One of my favorite shows, I think it was in maybe the late 90s, early 2000s, was Tim the Tool Man. Remember Tim the Tool Man? How many of y'all remember watching that back in the day? That was a great show. And remember when Tim would have a problem in his marriage or with his kids and he would go outside and there was the guy next door. You remember this next door neighbor? You remember his name? Wilson. And you couldn't see Wilson, but just the, just the top of his head, like from his eyes up. Well, when, when we carry a fence, we can't see clearly to fulfill God's vision for our life. See, vision and values go together. We often think about our values, but we don't realize that God has put vision in you. Matter of fact, he's given you the ability to see. And when you become a Christian, there's a faith in you to be able to see beyond your circumstances into your potential. And then God aligns us with our values. So often we get a vision, and then our values come to undergird that vision. So you can see, but when we get offended... We start to lose our vision and then put aside our values. We don't realize that it's hurting us from the future, the potential that God has put in us. But we've also begun to walk away from the very things that are the foundation of who we are in Christ. Why? Because we're hurt. And there's a reality to that. We all all get hurt. We all all deal with this. But what we don't want to do is pick up. The fence. We don't want to pick up a fence. We don't want to walk around with this. And sadly, so many Christians go to church every single day, every single Sunday, and they end up carrying a fence with them. They go to every relationship. that They, come, they, they get divorced. They go right into the other relationship, and they 
carry a fence with them. They leave a job and they carry a fence right back into the next job. And then they end up dealing with the same problems. They blame the job, they blame the person, they blame the church. When in reality, all they're doing is carrying their fence with them. From place to place to place. And they don't have the vision. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Number two, carrying a fence disconnects us with God. We build strong walls of a fence around us because we don't want to get hurt again. So somebody hurts us, somebody betrays us. It's happened to me over and over in the 20 years I've been pastoring. In the, in the 30 years I've been a Christian, many people have just, I mean, stabbed me in the back, in the front, in the side. You name it. And, and, and there have been times where I have caught myself being offended. And so it devalues the relationships in our life. And we limit God. We disconnect from God because, listen to me very closely, the number one way or the best tool for God to grow us is people. People. I know, I know what you're thinking. No, no, that's not true, Troy. I read my Bible. I grow with God. That's, that's true. You do. But you can do that by yourself. I can pray. Yeah, you'll grow with God. But there is a necessity that people get involved in your world. Or Jesus wouldn't have made this statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. He wouldn't involved community in the whole relationship if all we needed was God. If all we needed was our relationship with God and that said, no, you need relationships with people. You need, you need people in your world, especially the ones that you don't like. Don't point fingers at them right now. That's not fair in church. That's not, that, you might cause them to pick up a fence if you point the finger at them. But come on, we, we know, we, we have some people right now, we're thinking of, I don't like him. Why doesn't God remove him from my life or her from my life? It's because God is using them to grow you up, to grow me up. They just will not leave. They're the sandpaper to my rough edges, right? And God allows them. Sometimes he allows things to happen. As they caused it, he allows things to happen to us. So, listen, when they happen again, we'll be able to put our trust and continually trust in God. Great story in Genesis chapter 4. You may know the story. Adam and Eve had two kids. Remember the two kids' names? Cain and Abel, right? You know, you know the story, Cain and Abel, they're chilling, you know, Adam and Eve obviously taught them some stuff because there's, there's a story where Cain brings an offering to God and then it says Abel brings of the first of his crop and then something happens. God receives Abel's offering and does not receive Cain's offering and Cain gets upset so God comes to Cain, and he says to Cain in Genesis 4, verse 6, why are you so angry? Now, isn't it interesting? First thing you got to understand, Cain made a mistake, and he still hears God's voice. So that means you can still mess up and hear God's voice. Hello. Now, it's your choice whether you want to hear it or not. I want to hear it or not. So he says, why are you so angry, Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. 
In other words, you can change this situation. What did he need to change? Well, he brought an offering when God wants our best, which is our first. So Abel brought the first. We call that the tithe when it comes to giving. We give him the best. We give him the first. You give God the first, he'll bless the rest. You follow me? Give him the first. That's why you're here at church today. Give yourselves a hand for coming to church today. Come on. Come on. Guess what's going to happen? Hey, guess what's going to happen? Today's the first day of the week. Sunday, you give him the first. Next six, blessed. Receive it. Just, just receive it. Walk in that. Monday, when you go to work, and that hateful person walks up, and you go, I'm blessed. Amen. I went to church yesterday. You ain't going to mess me up. I'm blessed. Look at your neighbor. Hit him. Just say, I'm blessed. Because I went to church today. Hit your other neighbor. Say, you're blessed. Because you're sitting next to me. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, you have control on whether you pick this up or not. So what happened? You remember the story? What happened? What did Cain do to Abel? Killed him. It's a metaphor for us killing relationships. He was his brother. So what ends up happening is we get out of fellowship with God and we think that this, this relationship is causing me. And so we, we, we disconnect from community. You get hurt in a church before, so you go, I'm not going to go to church anymore. Or I'm going to go, I'm going to sit in the back, I'm going to come late, leave early. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I'm going to get my God on, and then I'm out of here. You're missing out. Now listen, the nature of your relationship with God will not change. However, your intimacy with him will. Because you need people in your world to help you with that intimacy. Proverbs 29, Proverbs 18, verse 19 says, A brother offended is like, harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Number three, carrying offense paralyzes our gifts. Jesus made this statement in Matthew 5. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Why? Because if you don't deal with the fence, your gift is useless. It's unable to be operated through because God can't get through the offense. Okay, this is what it looks like spiritually when you carry offense. This is what it looks like right here. You got this block against people, against God, against those around you. And so, so God says, listen, you got you to be clear that you, you, can't, you can't allow this to, to affect your gift. And then last thing, and then we'll talk, talk about the progression, is carrying offense is always a choice. It's your choice, my choice. Oh, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said about me. You don't know how they treated me. I don't. God does. You do. Some of it's real, some of it's not, right? Some of, some of it they actually did, and some of, it, some of it we've made up in our mind for the last three nights because we couldn't go to sleep because all we did was think about what they did and their intentions, right? Be honest. Don't you wish you could see what people's intentions are like in their head? No, I don't want to know. Please. I saw this movie recently where the, the men on the planet, you could see their thoughts, and you couldn't see women's thoughts. And I'm like, I don't want to see anybody's thoughts. 
I don't want to know what you're thinking about me right now because I know in this room right now you're thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. Where do I want to go to lunch? You know, when is he going to get done? Are those pants, you know, any tighter? Where did he get that shirt from? You know, all that stuff. Did he wear socks today? Where's his wife? I mean, just all those stuff. You, you know, those are things that you're thinking right now. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Think, Jesus, and I love God, and this is the best church in the world, and, and the campus pastors here are the coolest. Those are the things I want you to think. I don't want to know everything that you think. But it's a choice. It's your choice. It's, you, it's up to you whether you pick it up, regardless of what they've done to you, because your offense affects you and not them. You carrying this around, it blurs your vision, you disconnect with people and God. It, 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 it destroys your gift, your ability to serve and help and give and love and exchange between relationships and with God. But it's your choice. You have the ability to pick it up or put it down. Now Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 17 that it's impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, there's always going to be an opportunity. From now until Jesus comes back, you're always going to have an opportunity to be offended. I'm going to offend you. Stephanie's going to offend you. My wife's going to offend you. She's probably going to offend you the most. <laughs> Just saying. She's not here today. Don't tell her I said that. Don't you tell her I said that. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is, is there's always going to be an opportunity. Something's going to happen in the kids' church. You come to church here long enough, you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. Did you know the average church person comes to church, a church, for three years, and then they go to the next one? So let me just prepare you, okay? If you've been here for one or two years, third year, get ready. You're going to have an opportunity to be offended. Guaranteed. Guaranteed, Rose, somebody's going to have an opportunity to offend you. It's going to happen. I promise you. I'm going to do it. Somebody's going to do it to you. Because that's when the devil is going to use that moment. You say, how do you know that? First of all, it's a statistic. Second of all, I've tested it over and over. Over again. Whenever I have church staff, people come to me and say, hey, so-and-so's leaving the church. My first question is, how long they've been coming? Oh, they've been here for about two and a half years, three years. Every single time. So prepare yourself. If you've been here for longer than three years, you've passed the test. Give yourselves a hand. You made it. You made it over the hump. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to offend you at some point in the future. But you've made it past the hard time, the, the moment, that, the, the, kind of the moment of opportunity for you to walk away. Now, here's the deal. Even if, even if you have justification for the ability to be offended, it's still up to you whether you walk in that offense or not. It's up to you. You say, well, when, when can I leave the church? When something morally or message related that doesn't fit along the word, word with God. Or God tells you to leave. Hey, people leave churches all the time. Sometimes a season happens. But don't just walk out because somebody made you upset. That's the lowest level of maturity decision anybody could ever make. Because maybe God's going to use that situation to help you grow up. Yeah, but they need, no, forget about them for a second because you can't change them. That's not your responsibility. You just pray for them. And not pray that, you know, a big stone drops off a ceiling and drops on them and kills them. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so 
Here's what God does. Okay, so Jesus tells us the progression of when we pick up this offense, what happens in our hearts spiritually in Matthew chapter 24. And this is at the end time. So he's given us a prophetic view of somebody who gets offended. He says, then many will be offended. Whenever you see a list of stuff in the Bible, pay really close attention to it. Because you'll notice an order and you can see a progression. So it says, then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I don't know if you saw it, but you see a progression. First, offense happens, then betrayal, then hate, then deception, lawlessness, and then an absence of love. Did you see the progression? So you get offended. The next step of offense is betrayal. What does that mean? You betray people. You, you, others and yourself. You betray your values. You betray your vision. Why? Because you're hurt. And I'm not invalidating your experience of the pain. Because the pain is real. And you need to deal with the pain. I need to deal with my pain. But if I don't deal with it, if I allow myself to build this offense, this fence around me, then I am sure to betray people around me because I don't want you to hurt me anymore. And so I'm going to do what I know is necessary in order to protect my heart. And if that means knocking you down, I'll do it. If that means kicking you while you're down, I'll do it because I need to protect myself. I'm going to betray you. With my words, I'm going to betray you. It's the progression. It happens. It's subtle. It's covert. The enemy uses it. And then secondly, it means to, to, to hate or disregard. Now you're becoming emotionally disconnected or detached from the people that are around you that can help you the best. And then it says deception happens. And this is huge. It says false prophets will rise up and people will be deceived. Now, how does that work? See, the reason people are deceived is because they don't know they're deceived. Deception comes as a result of deception. The enemy always uses unhealed brokenness to insert spiritual warfare. If we don't deal with the brokenness, then familiar spirits will come in and be used in that environment. Are you following me? Because, listen, listen, you're not fighting against the person. Our, our weapons are not used for personal human battle. We wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so, so the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of betrayal, the spirit of intimidation and fear all use and our entry through our brokenness that's unhealed. So if we don't deal with it, there's an open door for deception. What does that deception look like? Anything that is said that will make me feel better. It doesn't have to be the truth. It just has to pacify my brokenness. And when that happens, the enemy can use that to try to pull you away. It doesn't have to be godly at all. It just have to make you feel better about yourself. You say, oh, that's not me. Okay, well, it could happen to you if you don't check the offense at the beginning. And then lawlessness, you become rebellious. You just, I don't want to be involved in anybody. I'm going to rebel against everything godly. And then you become indifferent to people around you. But, here's the hope. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Verse 13. 
That's where we want to be. So don't pick up the offense. Now, how do I know I might be offended? Let me just give you a couple things. I explode in anger. You get angry about little things. You know, you start cussing in the car when somebody pulls out in front of you. You didn't used to do that, but now you do it. In the church parking lot. Okay, just explode in outbursts. Maybe you start complaining all the time. You, you're the victim. You're always the victim. You find yourself in that victim. You're insecure. You're always looking at how everybody's looking at you. Well, did they see me this way? And, and did it, Now, may, you may not say it to anybody, but it's happening on the inside. Okay, this, you may be offended. You want attention. Look at me. You're overly negative or you're overly assertive in situation because anybody that's offended wants control of everything around them. They want to they wanna be in charge of everything. The people, emotions, strategy, anything. They want to be in control. Now, there's three causes that I believe are the top causes of offense. Let me just work through these, and, I, and then we'll be done. Remember, we're pastoring here. We're, we're trying to work on some emotional stuff. We're trying to work on some external stuff so that you can be better, the church can be better, and we can reach people. Amen? Hello. Amen? amen. All right. So here's number one. And every one of them has an antidote, which we're going to lean into. Number one reason why people get offended is unmet expectations in Luke chapter 7 verse 23 Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples of John the Baptist okay just to give you a little history John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin they were they were related John was prepared the way for Jesus to come prophetically he was the man to prepare the way for the Messiah John baptized Jesus. When John baptized Jesus, God had told John prior to him baptizing Jesus that, hey, John, when you baptize this guy and the Spirit comes and remains upon him, know he's the one. He's the Messiah. So he did it. He baptized Jesus. He saw the Spirit of God descend upon him. He even said in every gospel, you're the one, Jesus. You're the one. Matthew heard him. Mark heard him. Luke heard him. Everybody heard. You're the one. Now, John had said something against the political leader. He's in jail. He's questioning about whether Jesus is the Messiah. And so he says, hey, guys, he sent some of his posse. You know, John's got his posse. Jesus has got his posse. So he says, some of John's posse sends him over to Jesus. Hey, will you just check and make sure he's the right guy? Now, why did he do that? Why did, he, why did he sin? Because everything about up to this point would say that John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. So why did, why did he do that? Why did he send that? Because he's his cousin. If he's the Messiah, why didn't he get me out of jail? I don't want to be in jail. Now, we know later on that John gets his head cut off, right? At a party. Not a good party thing to happen anyway. Just saying. John gets his head cut off and dies. But John doesn't know what's going to happen to him. We know because we can read ahead. So you know what happened? John had this expectation of Jesus that was unmet. So when the disciples came to Jesus, they're like, hey, are you the one? And he says, hey, tell John all the things that have happened. And then he makes this statement in verse 23 of Luke chapter 7. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. One of the main reasons we get 
offended or we build the offense is we have unfulfilled or unrealistic expectations. We go into the relationship and we have unfulfilled or unrealistic expectations, unmet expectations. Why are those expectations not met? Most of the time, they're never, ever vocalized. You never tell people what you expect of them. And so when they don't do it, you get mad at them, right? So let's just take church, for example. You come into a church like this because you came from another church. And you typically carry, you know, some of the stuff that you left that church with into this environment. So you have an expectation of the pastor. If I don't fulfill those expectations, you get mad at me. Now, we never had a conversation about it. Maybe that is your expectation, that we go out to dinner, we sit down, we talk for three, four hours about your expectations of what you're, that ain't going to happen, just so you know. No offense. No offense. Okay? And so, so it happens. You have an expectation of the pastor's wife. She needs to be this, that, and the other. And then she just doesn't fit into your mold. You get married. Maybe it's your second one, third one. I don't know. Maybe it's your first one. And you watched a lot of Bachelor. <laughs> and you have an expectation of what he is supposed to be like. And after you get married, you realize... Holy cow, this guy is not anything that I expected, okay? Unmet expectations. So you know what happens? You pick up an offense. So let me help you with that. Now this is, what I'm about to say doesn't mean you don't trust people ever again. That's not what I'm talking about. No, the way to help with unmet or unrealistic expectations is you, follow me here, you learn to lower your expectation of people And raise your expectation of God. You lower your expectation of people. Why? Because people are going to let you down. Now, you need to say your expectations. If you're a business owner and you have employees and you never tell them what's expected, that's your fault. You need to tell all your employees what is expected of them. Well, they might leave. Okay. Then you won't ever get frustrated when they won't do what you expect of them. Because you've already let them know. So you can easily get offended. So what I do is I try to, I just lower my expectation of people and I raise my expectation of God. So what can I expect from God? Unlimited forgiveness. That's a good thing. Can I get an amen? Unlimited, let me say it, let me say it one more time. Give you an opportunity. Let's just reverse that. Let's say it one more time. What can you expect from God? Unlimited forgiveness. Amen. Because some people ain't going to forgive you. Some people ain't going to let you off the hook. They're going to remind you of everything you did all the way. Oh, you're, and it's called family. They're going to remind you <laughs> when you were 15 and you did this and you did that. And, and all they can see you is when you were 15. You will never grow up in their eyes. You know what you can expect of God? Patience. Some people aren't going to be patient with you. I may not be patient with you. I know. I know. I'm good looking and all that stuff. But. But I'm not going to be patient with you. I'm, I'm, this ain't going to happen. And I'm joking, by the way. Grace and mercy. You can expect that from God. Honesty all the time. He will always be there for you. God will always be there for you. Always. He will never let you down. And if you fall down, guess what? He'll always be there to pick you up. That's what you can expect of God. So let's lean into that right now. Let's just pray and ask God to help us lower our expectations of people. And raise our expectation to God. Just close your eyes right where you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. And just say this with me. Say, God, help me to learn to lower my expectations of people 
and raise my expectation on you. Amen. Number two. Number two reason that we get offended is pride. Pride. Matthew chapter 15, verse 12. It says, Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Now, the Pharisees were mad at Jesus and his disciples because they weren't washing their hands correctly. As we heard in the first service, they're like the CDC, all right? (laughs) Somebody yelled it out in the middle of the service last, and it was hilarious. Because who gets mad about washing your hands in respect to what's going on in the world? That's not a big deal. And Jesus was making that clear to the, the Pharisees. You guys are making a big deal out of something very, very small. So they were following Jesus around. The Pharisees, the religious people, just following him around, picking out the little stuff, the method. Why? Because they were prideful. They were so afraid that Jesus was going to take their spot. That's called pride. Now, here's the thing about pride. You'll never know you're prideful until you're corrected. Correction always brings out pride. When somebody's corrected is when you'll see pride comes up. So the best way to learn somebody's character is to put themselves in a position where you may have to correct them. That's why people are so important. Because it's really difficult to see your own pride. we, We cover it easy on ourselves. So what we need to do is we need to have people around us that love us, that care about us, that will tell us, hey man, you're being prideful. This, this is prideful. And so the best way or the antidote for pride is to learn to be teachable. To always have a posture that you can learn something wherever you are. In any environment, from anybody. Especially those that are in authority over you. And we all need to have somebody that's in authority over us. Because if you want authority, you have to be under authority well i'm under god yeah he's easy to be under because he's not sitting beside you you can hide from him really easy in your own way now he knows everything that's going on he knows and we all have a little bit of pride in us all of us do because we have a sin nature that's our nature we want to be independent from god now that's what's so great about the presence and the holy spirit is he reveals things to us but we all have some, and we need people. I need Aaron in my life to, to, to point out things. Hey, pastor, when you said this, you know, came off a little prideful. Came off a little this way. It's okay. It's all right. I'm not too big for my britches that somebody can't say something to me, and you can't be that way either. It's really important that we allow ourselves to be taught and put people in a position to have authority over you. Another way to say it is there's somebody in your life that can tell you no and you listen. Is there somebody that can tell you no? And I have, I have people in my life, not, a, not 10 or 15, three, that can tell me no and I will listen. They love me, they care about me, and they've proved that they really want what's best for me. And as a result, I put them, I gave them permission to teach me. I gave them permission to have authority over me. That's why in a church, give leadership permission to tell you no. It's okay for them to come in your world and tell you something and say, hey, listen, this is probably not the best thing for your life. I don't want to, you don't need to tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. 
Who do you think you are telling me I shouldn't do this? I shouldn't do that. Okay, you got a problem. You got pride, sweetheart. You got some pride. I'm not prideful. Exactly. And guess what? You're going to stop right where you are in God's plan for your life because you have decided to build a fence. So, antidote, learn to be teachable. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's ask God. Let's just pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, help me to learn to have a teachable spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Last one, number three, and then we're done, is envy. Envy. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Jesus is in his hometown. He comes back, you know, after he's been gone for a little bit. You know, he grew up there, and now he's Jesus. He's the Messiah. Everybody's recognizing him. He's seeing miracles. He's preaching. He comes back to his hometown. Why? Because he wants to bless his hometown. And they say to him, is this not the carpenter's son, the son of Mary? Isn't this little Jojo? And brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. I mean, didn't we used to hang out with them? Didn't he used to kick the soccer ball over there? Hey, isn't he the one that helped his dad, Joseph, put down, you know, the, the, the nails? And he, isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't he this guy? Are, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They, if you keep looking at the scriptures there, it says that they were astonished at what he had to say. They, they said, where did this man get these saying? What wisdom is this? Is this not the carpenter's son? Aren't his sisters? See, Christians have a really hard time celebrating when other Christians succeed. For some, I don't know what it is. It, maybe it's pride. I think it's envy. I think it has a lot to do with envy. A few years back, one of my friends, close friends, he called me. And he had just built a building uh, in Florida for $16 million. And he called me. He goes, man, Troy, you're not going to believe this happened to me. I went and met with this business owner. He had sold his business for umpteen million dollars. And he wrote me a check for $16 million. And he paid the whole building off. And I'm like, man, I wish that happened to me. What, what's going on with me? I immediately went there. He's calling me so I can celebrate with him. And I'm stepping into envy going, man, why didn't that happen to me? God, what's wrong with you? We do the same thing. You can easily pick up a fence. I caught myself. I caught myself. And I was like, man, I'm sorry, Randy. I said, hey, buddy, I, I, man, I, I, got, I got messed up right there. I am so excited for you. I'm so excited that you don't have to pay a mortgage on that building. I'm so excited I'm gonna, I had to call him back because God convicted me in that moment and I had to get fixed, man. So get excited. If somebody gets a new car, your first thought shouldn't be, man, where's mine? <laughs> somebody got a promotion. Why did they get a promotion? I didn't. What's wrong with me? See, imagine what, it ha what would have happened if they celebrated Jesus Instead of question who he was. Imagine what could have happened in his hometown. The miracles. Because it said because of their unbelief he could do no mighty work there. Except he, he healed a few sniffles and maybe a headache or two. That was it. Imagine the miracles could have happened. Because Jesus, he went back to, I believe he went back to his hometown. Because he wanted to celebrate with them what they had produced. What they had done. Celebrate, man, this is so exciting. 
See, their envy produced unbelief. Your celebration can produce more faith. So if envy produces unbelief or offense produces unbelief, then if I celebrate and am grateful for what God's doing in your life, no matter what it may be, if I just celebrate who you are, celebrate your gift, celebrate your success, celebrate your promotion, encourage you, love you, clap for you, man, I'm your cheerleader, I'm here forever, then that opens God's opens the heavens up for more faith to come down and the miraculous can happen in our life. So what do we have to do? Learn to celebrate others. So let's pray and then we'll go home. Just close your eyes, bow your head. Just say this with me, Heavenly Father, help me to learn to not be envious and celebrate others when they succeed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Get up on your feet. Come on, hope you learned something today. We're not going to pick up any offenses. We're not going to build any fences. Matter of fact, some of you need to go home and kick them down. Kick them all down. So three things we close with. Three things. Three things we want to learn. Just practical. Throw these up on the screen for me, guys. Number one, learn to lower your expectations of people. Raise your expectations of God. Doesn't mean we don't trust people. It doesn't mean we don't allow them into our world. It just knows the perspective of where we want to put people versus God. We can't expect people to be God. We can't expect them to live at that level. Secondly, let's learn to be teachable. God, give me a teachable spirit. I want to always be open to correction. Help me, Lord, to learn. Maybe, maybe you got some pride. Maybe some people have said some things like that to you, and you've been kind of defensive, which is one way you can tell. You're defensive to that. God, help me to be teachable. Just take one of these away. Just take one. And then lastly, learn. God, God help me learn to celebrate others. Even when you don't want to celebrate them, send them a text. Some of you need to send some texts to some people. I'm so glad you got a new Mercedes. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Will you take me for a ride? And I'll sit in the back. <laughs> Lord, I'm, I'm so happy that you got, you got a new job. I'm so happy you got a new house. I'm so happy you got a raise. Take me out to dinner. You got more money than me. <laughs> Amen. Lift both hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful, Father, for the presence of God in this room, in our lives, in our hearts. God, help us to learn. Help us to learn. Help us to grow. Not just know, but do. Help us be good disciples. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Even if you're online, close your eyes, bow your head. If you're here today, and you don't know Jesus. Maybe something happened. Maybe, maybe church hurt you. Leaders hurt you. People hurt you. Let me let you in on something. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And his desire is for you to have an uncomplicated, open relationship with the Father. And it happens only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, you're hearing the sound of my voice, and you say, yes, I want that relationship. I want to know that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I want to know that I have an unfiltered, open communication with my heavenly Father. You can do that through a relationship with Jesus Christ. All you have to do, confess with your mouth, 
believe in your heart that Jesus died and was raised from the dead. Maybe you knew him at one time. Maybe you followed him. You had a relationship. But something, maybe a fence, got in the way. And you're ready to step into that brand new, reset, press the restart button and say, God, I want to start over. I want to pray with you today. If that's you, online or right in this room, you hear my voice, just put your hand right on your chest. This is between you and God. And we're going to pray a simple prayer. Believe with your heart, confess with your mouth. Let's do it all together. Church family, would you join with them as they make this declaration today? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today I give you my life. I'll follow you and I'll worship you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, give God some praise. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.